We continue now our worship of our Lord and celebrate his coming to this earth. And I'd like to go back into, we're going to, re, we're going to uh, reconnect with many of, of the passage of scripture that not only was read this morning, but also read for the past three weeks. And <clears throat> you notice in the bulletin, the, I titled this, this message, Angels We Have Heard on High. You know, I couldn't come up with the title, so I picked that. The reason I picked that one is what I want to do this morning is I want to go back and I want to look at the four appearances of angels preceding to and announcing the birth of Christ. The ones that I won't be looking at today are the ones after, after he was born, like the coming of the Magi. They were, they were later. Um, I don't want to blow the nativity scene, but they weren't there. <laughs> uh, they, you, read, you read that passage in, in, uh, in Matthew 2 where uh, they came and they, they, they met him. At, they went to the house where they were staying. And, uh, but don't let that hurt the, the, the songs and the carols that we sing. They're, they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. The spirit of them is, is, uh, is good. Okay. <clears throat> this morning... It's, I found it interesting on the news this morning, and matter of fact, for the past couple of days, uh, they've been pointing out how the uh, this year in Bethlehem, there because of due to the current hostilities that are in the area in Palestine, that all Christmas celebrations have been canceled, prompting to the folks in the news uh, media reporting that. Uh, Christmas has been canceled in Bethlehem. Okay. Well, good news to all concerned. You know, Christmas cannot be canceled. All right. That just, that can't happen. Well, for, for one big reason, it's already taken place. We're commemorating it. We're celebrating it. And this is one of those things that, you know, uh, that in, in one sense should be celebrated all throughout the year. I mean... Christ has come to this earth. Messiah is here. Messiah has come. And um, around the, what I picked to do to talk about this morning is the um, <clears throat> activity of the angels, especially uh, those that, uh, and what they want to, what they were saying. I'm going to go back and read once again Luke chapter 2, just a piece of that, that was read to us a couple of times, just from verses 8 through 14. And use that really as a jumping off point. And in the same region, there were, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of, great, of a great joy, which shall be for all the people." For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Now, this is where we're going to, we, I start up just by getting us going, but I'm going to go back to the beginning, and I'm going to come back and end here this morning. Now, 
Again, much angelic activity is, uh, took place around the first coming of the first advent. And just a, a, an interesting note, you know, there's also going to be much activity surrounding his second advent. I mean, I just, I just looked through it very quickly the other day, but in Revelation alone, angels are seeing, doing a variety of things, saying a variety of things, and making a various pronouncements over 50 times in the book of Revelation alone. 50 times. And that's not counting the letters to the seven churches, because the use of the word angel there may not even be an angel. All right? But just even not counting that, over 50 times the term angel is, is brought up in, in that book. Again, I see that interesting. When the Lord moves, his angels move with him. His, he, well, he's the Lord of hosts, isn't he? Now, now this morning, again, I just want to read all of, look that and see what the angels have to say. Let's look at the first angelic appearance. And I want to go back to Luke 1 for that one, Luke chapter 1. And the setting here is the early announcement. The first angel showed up here. And the angel, it's the angel Gabriel who appears to Zacharias, who was a priest. And we're going to see through here who is going to be the father of John the Baptist. So let's, let's pick it up in chapter 1, verses 5 through 12. I'm not going to read the whole, the whole story goes from 5 through 20. And um, we'll spot check a few things, but, but time will not uh, permit us to do everything. Again, I just want to zero in on what the angels have to say about this coming baby. All right? That's our focus this morning. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and his wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in the commandments and requirements of the Lord. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both advanced in years. Now it came about while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were in prayer outside at the hour of incense, of the hour of incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled and, he, and when he saw him, and fear gripped him. Same thing happened to the, angel, the shepherds, right? Now, what do we have here? Well, a little bit of background information, not too much. He was of the division of Abijah. Well, there were 24 divisions of priests. Okay, each division was named after one of the grandsons of Aaron. And if you want the background on that, that's 1 Chronicles 24, 1 through 19. And you can be thankful we're not going back to read that. Each division, okay, each one of these divisions would send a priest to serve in the temple for one week twice a year. Okay? Now, the priests that would be sent were selected by, we saw that verse 9, were selected by lottery, by lot. Now, and this is an interesting point. Due to the large number of priests, many were never selected. It was all, 
by chance, as though the world would view it. But again, by the sovereign will of God, Zacharias was selected at this critical time in God's redemptive plan. No question in my mind. It was God that's orchestrating this whole event, this whole birth, and everything that leads up to it and, and proceeds from it. Now, now, verse 10 tells us that Zacharias was the altar of incense, and that altar of incense was located just outside the Holy of Holies. And then the ascending smoke of the incense was, was symbolic of the prayers of the people who we read about who were standing outside. Okay? Now, let's look, take a look at Zacharias and Elizabeth. Verse 6 tells us they were, number one, they were both righteous in the sight of God. Okay? It also tells us in verse 7 that Elizabeth was barren and advanced in years. Does this at all sound familiar? I think of a fellow named Abraham and his wife Sarah. Genesis eleven twenty nine to 30. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to read it here. Now, chapter 12 of Genesis is when Abram, then named Abram, got the call to say, pick it up and move. And he did. But prior to that, right there in chapter 11, verse 29 to 30, Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Micah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Mil Milcah and, and Ishkah. Sarai was barren. And to make the point crystal clear, it goes on to say she had no children. She was barren. So you think about that, she was barren. So God has used barrenness and infertility as signs all along. Um, <clears throat> and again, we, can, we read the whole uh, account of um, the, the call of Abraham, and it was, it's changed, and it says that you move forward, you get past the Abrahamic covenant, and he goes, in chapter 17 of Genesis, I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And, Abram's, and, and Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael would live before you. But God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall, name, you shall <clears throat> call his name Isaac. And he will establish my covenant, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So here again, We've got that, and you know, you follow it up. Same thing happened with Isaac and Rebecca. And again, I'm, but I'm not going into all that. I mean, so anyway, the angel now is tell, tell Zacharias that he will have a son, and he is to name him John. And that John, we just read on through 13 through 17, which I'm not going to do, that this John will be the forerunner of Messiah. Now, if we go to verse 18 of chapter, of chapter 1, Zacharias now, let's read 18 to 20. We'll just pick it up here. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know for certain? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. 
who stands in the presence of God, and I have, sent, and I have been sent to, to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which shall be f- fulfilled in their proper time. In their proper time, when's that proper time? Well, that's going to, be, that, that's going to take place at the actual birth of John the Baptist. If we just pop forward through verse 67 of chapter 1, and this is that when that proper time comes, that we now at, we're, that we, we've moved past where we're going to go back to in a minute, but um, <clears throat> in verses 67 and 68, Zacharias and his father, that's the father of the newborn baby, John. His father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. Accomplished redemption. Redemption is coming. As a matter of fact, and it's made perfectly clear in the preceding verses that John the Baptist would be the forerunner of that redeemer. Okay? He's going to be the forerunner of that redeemer. And then we move to the end of it. Now, if we were to read this through, we're going to see that he keeps praising God where he's raised up a horn of salvation. Verse 69 is talking about how this Messiah is going to uh, uh, fulfill the Davidic covenant. And he moves on to say he's going to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant. And then he goes, moves on to say, well, we're going to pick it up here. He's going to fulfill the, what is called, often called the new covenant, starting in Isaiah, or excuse me, Jeremiah 31, 31 and following. I'm going to pick it up verse 76 and 77 says this and you child this is Zacharias speaking of John the Baptist and you child will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give his people the knowledge of salvation how by the forgiveness of their sins by the forgiveness of their sins and again this is what the Messiah came to do and this was what John the Baptist was called to do to announce before the coming of Messiah and I find it extremely uh, interesting that um, we're going to see in future that Elizabeth was actually a relative of uh, Mary cousin of some related somehow with Mary now that's the first and again the first announcement of the angel was the announcement to the father of the forerunner of Messiah. Now, the second angelic appearance is where the, here, once again, it involves the angel Gabriel, and the angel Gabriel is now going to appear to Mary. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. Now, here, I'm just going to start off by reading 26 and, verses 26 and 27. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary. We're going to stop right there. Before we even get into talking about the angel, here Luke introduces us to this section by making it perfectly clear right up front that this Mary, this woman Mary, is a virgin. Okay, this, she was a virgin. Now, 
In verse 20 now, from 28 to 38, and coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And, <clears throat> and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said, said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then... Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Wow. You know, I forgot to mention, but back when Zacharias was doubting the angel, he says, Well, wait, you didn't believe? And the angel kind of, you almost see, kind of rears up and says, Hey, I'm, a I'm Gabriel who stands before, before the Lord. For God, Gabriel was no secret. To anybody that understood their Old Testament scripture, Gabriel is mentioned twice, for example, in the book of Daniel. So especially to the priest, Zacharias, they would know that name. And when you read the things that Mary has said, we won't get to them this morning, but like in what's called the Magnificat, I guarantee you, Mary has heard that name before. Mary has heard that name. So, where Gabriel speaks to Mary, she says, Hail, favored one, verse 28. Favored one comes from the root word charis, which is translated grace, meaning to bestow favor. Bestow favor. It says, the Lord is with you. I, I want to bring this out because I know coming from my Catholic background, when, when, the angel, when Gabriel says, the Lord is with you, that is not a prayer. <laughs> That's a statement of fact. The Lord is with you. You will have a son and you will name him Jesus. And we're going to see that again. But Jesus, Yeshua, means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh saves. And it says he'll be great and be called the son of the most high. Now the son of the most high, once again, that is a title of deity. For example, John 5, 18, um, I'll pick it up in verse 17 for a little background, but this is one of those go-to passages that I have if I ever get the watchtower folks knocking at the door, which has been a while. But he answered them, <clears throat> this is Jesus, he answered them, that's his critics, my father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, which of course he wasn't, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So 
When you see all those different references to Christ as being son of the most high, son of God, those are all titles of deity, folks. You, you don't have to go any further. And what I like to tell the, the, the Watchtower folks is that, hey, even the enemies of Jesus understood that. What's your problem? You know, I mean, it's, it's there. It, it's, and it's, it's funny because I even, it's even in their, their translation. It's even in their New World translation. It's in there too. I mean, can't escape it. And we'll go back to verse 32, where it says, 32, and I'll pick it up. He'll be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his, and his kingdom will have no end. Right there is, is a message. Well, actually, that's a seminar. Um, well, now, that Davidic covenant was originally given in 2 Samuel Chapter 7, verses 8 through 17, which we're not going to go back. But I just want to pick one verse out of there. Verse 16 of 2 Samuel 7 says, it says, speaking about David, Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. And we know one day that Christ himself will ascend and be sitting on that throne. Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Remember Isaiah, remember Isaiah chapter 9, and again, uh, to save us a little time, it says, for, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. I mean, this, again, what we're looking at here, this, this plan of God that, you know, Jesus becoming flesh and dwelling among us, this is like the beginning. This is, this, and he's going to go on and he's going to, ministry on earth for 30 some odd years he's going to go to the cross pay the price for those sins and then rise from the dead and ascend back into heaven which he did now gabriel now from verses 34 through 38 gabriel explains the virgin birth to mary let's look there again 34 through 38 and mary said to the angel how can this be I am a virgin. Again, third time in this section, the virginity of Mary is once again established. And John 35 says, The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Spirit shall be, excuse me, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old days, and she has been, <clears throat> who was called barren, and is now in the sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. We'll just stop there for now. Now, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Just as the Spirit was involved in creation, 
Here we see that the Holy Spirit is also active in this divine act. Okay? And it goes, all, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Remember, we read earlier where he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Son of God. The power of the Most High. The work of the Holy Spirit. It's all coming together. Just like it did at creation. Remember, you read just like it did at his resurrection. I mean... It's all coming in. Matter of fact, this is this is this whole event is orchestrated by the triune God, quite frankly, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, and the, through the the working of the Holy Spirit and the power of the of the uh, <clears throat> Most High God, this this miracle took place that a virgin would conceive and raise up a child. And as a virgin would give birth to that child. Okay? Give birth to that child. And the word overshadow. It, we're in Luke. If you want to look, Luke 9, 34 says, <clears throat> says the following. The, the scene here, so you can get an idea of what's going on. We're at the Mount of Transfiguration. And there's, there's, they're on the mountain. And Luke 9, 34 and while he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them. That's the same word used about the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary. Um, <clears throat> overshadowed them, and they were afraid, and they entered the cloud. So just like the apostles that were there standing with Jesus got overshadowed by this cloud physically, spiritually, Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and then through the divine act of the Most High God, she became impregnated, impregnated with the second person of the Trinity. Think about that. The second person of the Trinity. And then she carried him to term. You talk about up there, Philippians 2, he emptied himself. Wow. <laughs> he emptied himself. And it says in verse 35, and for this reason, in other words, because the conception was a divine act of God, this child can most certainly be described as the holy offspring and also rightly called the son of God. He is of divine origin. Yes, he was carried to term by a human mother, and that's where he got his humanity. But because of this, that's why he was a perfect, sinless human being. Because his origin was divine, carried to term by a human mother. And that, now <clears throat> Dan spoke a little bit about it. We don't have time to get into this. But that's why we can see that he was the perfect sacrifice. He could be the only sacrifice for sin. Because everything else... Human, animal, everything on this earth has been tainted by sin and therefore doesn't fit the bill. So the only way to have a perfect sacrifice is for God himself to be that sacrifice. And then too, at the very same time, he was fully, as in 100% human, while he was 100% God. 
And when it says he emptied himself, that's not saying he emptied himself, Philippians 2. That's not saying he emptied himself of divinity. No, not at all. Not one bit. He was never not God or never any less than God than he was when he was acting as the creator. Okay? Never. He let, what he did do was he set aside many of the prerogatives of being God. The, the one we see, the one that strikes the most is... Um, the glory that he left behind. Well, in the Mount of Transfiguration, the apostles got a little bit of glimpse of that, but that's all that was, just a glimpse. Okay? And so, anyway, that's what we have. It's a big, big event. So there we have it. The angel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias. You're going to be the father of the forerunner. And then appears to Mary. You're going to be the mother of the Messiah. And now we see the third angelic appearance. And again, taking these in historical order, the next angelic appearance, we have to go to Matthew for that one, where the, an, an angel, an unnamed angel, appears to Joseph in a dream. That's Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place that was spoken of by the, spoken of by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which translated means God with us. And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as a wife, and he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Okay, now, just a quick look at the betrothal process. Now, a Hebrew marriage was a contract, and it went into it had two stages, the betrothal period and the marriage ceremony. Now, the betrothal period lasted up to a year, and at which time the bride and the groom, they actually saw very little of each other um, socially. Now, the betrothal part of the marriage contract was legally binding, and the bride and groom were legally married, even though they had not consummated the marriage. Now, keep that in mind. Now, the betrothal was a almost like a probation period to establish, one of, the re, one of the reasons for it was to establish moral purity to begin with. Then following the betrothal, there was the marriage ceremony after which the groom took the bride home and they consummated the marriage. So that's briefly it. So here we have in this betrothal period, Joseph's given the news from Mary and says, uh, Joseph, you won't believe what happened. And by the way, this story's only gonna work once. It's only true once. Mary, verse 18, was found to be with child. 
Okay? And <clears throat> it goes on to say in verse 20, the, the angel said, Joseph, for that which was conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, she will bear a son, verse 21, and you shall call his name Jesus. It is he who will save his people. Remember, Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh, or <clears throat> saves, Jehovah saves. That's what the word means. So you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. Right there is a connection of deity. You'll call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save the people from their sin. Who is the only one that can forgive sins? Only God. Only God. Again, there's in Luke chapters 1 and 2, in Matthew chapter 1 and even 2, there's just so many proofs of deity and statements about the deity of Christ. It, you know, and there's, there's tons of them all over the place. But I mean, right here alone, you could spend hours on your front porch with those people <laughs> explaining, right? It's all here. It's laid out. I mean, just logical conclusion is with everything that's said, you know, just by the names, the names given to him. It says, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. It says in, <clears throat> in verse 23. Now, that's a quote right out of Isaiah 7.14. And I'm going to read verse 23 of, of uh, Matthew. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Okay. There's another statement, statement of the deity of Christ. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Why? Well, because... It means God with us. <laughs> That's why you call him the, for the same reason you can call him the, the son of the most high or the son of God. And it means the same thing. God is with us. This child is God. We're not going to go there, but you read on past Christmas day, past the, remember when they presented the baby Jesus in the temple? You read past that, you can come back to uh, Matthew 2 where the, where the Magi show up. And when the Magi found the child, what did they do? They worshipped him. You don't worship. And this is an infant. An infant. You don't, you don't worship infants? Well, there's only one way you would do that. They recognized how they got the information. Nobody knows for sure. But they knew it and they acted appropriately. They worshipped the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. Now, back to where we are in Isaiah. In Isaiah 7, I'm going to pick it up. If you want to turn there, you can. But it's, it's Isaiah 7, 10 to 14. Get the context a little bit. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz. That's King Ahaz. Asked for signers. They had problems. Jerusalem was under attack. They didn't take Jerusalem. But just for us this morning, it's just good enough to know that, you know, he wanted a way out. He was looking... And so, and, I, and the Lord says to Ahaz, ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. And, here, and he goes on and says, make it deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Hey, make it a good one. 
Make it a good one. Make it a sign that everybody, you know, make it one that's you can't do on your own, right? Make it a good one. But Ahaz said, and he says, like, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. You were just asked to. <laughs> you were just asked to. That's why he's rated in, in, the, in the scriptures as being a lousy king. Because he was lousy. He was disobedient. I'm not going to, what do you mean you're not going to do it? Then he said, this, the Lord speaking now. Then he said, listen now, O house of David, exclamation point. It's funny how he's moved past Ahaz. He's moving now, his, his, his statements now are, are, okay, you're out. We're talking now about the house of David. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of God as well? Remember, he was the king over the house of David at that point in time, right? Therefore, and here's where our prophecy comes in. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, not you Ahaz, but you house of David, okay? He will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, in verse um, 18 to 25, we see Jesus described as being Messiah, Savior, and God. Then the whole thing. It says, Jesus from the Hebrew means Yahweh saves. Christ in the Greek is the equivalent, right, at, right in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Christ is the equivalent, it's the uh, Greek term, uh, it's equivalent to the Hebrew term Messiah. Both of them actually are what they call transliterations. Okay, Christ from Christos, Messiah from Messiah. Okay, and both of them mean the anointed. Okay, the anointed. Christ, Jesus being the anointed of God. The anointed and it says, call his name Jesus, verse 21, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Isaiah 53, 5. <clears throat> How's he going to do it? Well, just, you can, all of Isaiah, I start Isaiah 52, 13, go all the way through the end of 53. You can throw Psalm 22 in the mix as well. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. For the chastising for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. Referring to spiritual healing. Refers to spiritual healing. Again, they're going to call himself Emmanuel, because he would save us from our sins. Now the fourth angelic appearance that we're going to look at today, the, like I say, the others take place after the birth. Now, this fourth one is the actual announcement of the birth. And for that, we need to go back to Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And this was read, this was the reading that was read to us by Luke 2, verse 1 through 20, which we're not going to do verse by verse, word by word, like I normally do. <laughs> um, I should have started there if that was going to do. But I just wanted to get all the angelic pronouncements that are surrounding. I mean, you notice in our songs that we've sung, how, how many of them have the words angels included? Even though they technically 
didn't sing, they said, you know, it's okay if we, if we sing. We're part of the redeemed. Angels didn't really understand that. They're still trying to figure that out. They're still learning about that. But it's okay. It doesn't hurt anything, you know. The fourth angelic appearance. I'll pick it up in verse 8. 8 to 14, which was actually one of our readings. And in the same region, there were was, there was some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David... There has been born, just right now, there is announcing, it just, this just took place, you know. There has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find, you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Wow. Now, the angel of the Lord appears. <clears throat> Shepherds in the field. You know, it's, you, Israel, not being all that big, <laughs> it's even smaller today, but you get around that area of Bethlehem, you know, it's very, very possible those shepherds were staying, were feeding their flocks very possibly in the very same fields that David shepherded his flocks when he was a young man. And very possibly, very, very possibly. Um, in that day, you know, in that day, a little, you know, in that day, shepherds were nearly, they were considered, the, they were down, way down at the bottom of the social ladder. Let's just put it that way. Um, they were often uneducated and unskilled in anything else but herding sheep. You know, um, it was a busy job. It was a very dirty job. And you know how they were on the cleanliness thing? I mean, they even ragged on the uh, Jesus and the apostles for not going through all their phony washing ceremonies that weren't part of the Old Testament, by the way. <laughs> okay, Because if they were, Jesus would have done it because he fulfilled and he, he kept every bit of that law while he was on earth. Now, and by some... And I don't know the history much. I didn't go into the history by hands, but they were viewed as dishonest to the point that they were not allowed to testify in court. Ah, he's just a shepherd, you know, those people. You know, I, I, I thought of that, you know, in, in looking at the background of these poor guys. Um, I, thought of, I thought of in 1 Corinthians where it says, uh, for consider your calling, brethren. That's, that's us. Considering your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. You know, how, how, how often does he do that? He picks us, us, us poor dummies, and brings us into, our, into the kingdom. I mean, and just lavishes us with his blessings and I mean you know it's and again we we will see the ultimate reap of that reward in eternity I mean when it, when this all comes together and it's all said and done you know and in a few biblical thoughts concerning shepherds 
We know David was a shepherd. We know that. You know, Moses was also a shepherd for a time. Remember? The Midian, the land of Midian. Remember that? Moses was a shepherd. Those are pretty well to do in terms of how we view them. They're up on the list of God's servants, right? Old Testament saints. These are, these are high on the list. You know, God himself is called the shepherd of Israel. Psalm 80, verse 1. Um, the Lord, Yahweh. Yahweh is my shepherd. Psalm 23. And then, of course, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. You know, and he came to die for his sheep. I am the good shepherd. And then the angelic message, verses 10 through 12 We'll pick it up there, verse 10 of chapter 3. says, And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be <clears throat> excuse me, for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You shall find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. We'll just stop right there. I bring good news, the angel said. Euangelizo, which, from, <clears throat> which we get our word evangelize. Okay, and there's a, another related word which is euangelon, which means good news and is often translated gospel. Good news, gospel. And it is good news, gospel. Why? Well, why is it good news? Well, it's because the bad news. Because the bad news is, apart from the gospel, every human being since the fall, which is 100% of them, except Christ, is dead in sin and there's only one way down only one way that's why it this is such good news jesus christ is the way out and dare i say the only way out the only way out we'll get we'll get back to that thought later and the angel again verse 11 for there has born for you he says to the angels, for you. Didn't say for everybody, but for you. For you guys, you shepherds, you lowliest of the low, as people view you. For you, this was born. And I, I think he meant that, the angels meant that in a literal sense. A savior. We've seen that already, right? In Matthew, in Luke. Uh, well, Luke, um, <clears throat> well, verse uh, 76, 70, I'll read that again. Zacharias is under, remember, he said this, filled with the Holy Spirit. He just didn't make this up on his own. Filled with, and filled in that sense, and it's the same thing with the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's the same, same concept, same thing. Filled with the Holy Spirit, which means controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so being filled in the sense of control, Zacharias says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Why? Because he's going to be the forerunner of the Son of the Most High. Okay? He's going to be the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord. Go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Who did he go before? He went before Jesus. Jesus, here again, is called Lord. Verse 77, to give, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sin. Again, who is Christ the Lord? Well, Christ the Lord, Messiah Lord, who was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. That was our very first reading, Micah 5, right from Micah chapter 5, 5 2. 
Okay? And then God doing things right. You know, he does things right. <laughs> wait till you see the second advent. I mean, this is pretty good, though. Well, wait till you see the second advent. But the first advent, verse 13 and 14, and suddenly there appeared with the angel. Now, there's one angel that's shown up, and, and the glory shone all around him. And you find a lot of occurrences, well, at the resurrection of Christ. There were some angels, and they were shining. I mean, you'll oftentimes see the, the glory of God reflected off of these angels. It's like a, it's like a reflection of the glory of God because they represent God. They, they come from heaven down to us, okay? And so <clears throat> you see that, and he says, and uh, what, what were they doing? Uh, verse 13 and 14, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, what a sight. What is, all of a sudden, you've got one angel, and all of a sudden, you've got this whole multitude of angels. I mean, we're talking, I don't know what we're talking, it, it, when they use multitude, they're, they, they get, they're, we're talking thousands at least, thousands at least. I mean, who knows how many, but there's, I would say, at least thousands. I mean, that's just from past scriptures and other scriptures about that, it's always a, a tremendously large group. And they were praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest. And glory, doxa, meaning praise. Praise is given for, to God for who he is and what he has accomplished. Matter of fact, you, well, the bulk of the Psalms are written on that very premise. Praising God for who he is, what he's done. I mean, just for his attributes. And that, that statement says, where it says, on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Hmm. What do we hear so often today? We, hear, we don't hear that. They, it's, it's almost like, ah, for everybody. No, it's not for everybody. Let me, let me read that again. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Now, peace to those with whom he is pleased. Well, what kind of peace are we talking about? World peace? Remember, Bethlehem shut down today. No, it's not world peace. Although, to those with whom he is pleased, that will eventually be the case. It will be, it will be world peace eternally. But that's still out there. But peace. Well, the answer to that, what kind of peace, is in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. But I'm just going to quote the first couple of verses and just you can read it on your own. Therefore, having been justified by faith, this speaking to believers, we have peace with God. Through our, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. The glory of God that scared the socks out of the shepherds and was a little bit unnerving to Zacharias, we're going to live with that glory and we're going to love it. We're going we're to have eyes to be able to see it and not die. <laughs> you know, remember Moses, he only got, you know, I'll, I'll show you the, a little bit of back. You can't see the whole thing, you'll die. I mean, we will, be, we will be equipped to see it all, enjoy it all, experience it all. I mean, what a time that's going to be. And, and how, how does that happen? Well, 
through faith in the Son of the Most High. That, number one, he is, in fact, God, the Son of the Most High. He did, in fact, come to this earth. He did, in fact, die and paid the price for my sin. And it goes on, the gospel goes on, and he did, in fact, rise from the dead. And by faith in that, and that's why we need to understand that we are all sinners and need a Savior. See, Mary knew that. Mary knew that. Elizabeth knew that. Um, does everyone here know that? That's the question today. What a great Christmas if you don't and you discover it. You've just, if, if, that's, if that happens, you've just received the greatest gift you're ever going to receive. And that is salvation. But I look at the reaction of the shepherds. 2.15. We'll pick it up there. We'll just read it. Well, 215 to 17, and it came about when the angels had gone away from, <clears throat> away from them into the heavens, okay, they went back up into heaven. Then the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing, what has happened, uh, <clears throat> which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. I love that. And all who had, had heard it wondered at these things, which were told by them, by, told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pardoning them in her heart. I mean, you talk about being a young, remember Mary, maybe she could have been as young as 13, 14, maybe 15, you know? I, that's just the way it was back then. I'm, I'm, we're just, we don't know for sure, we're, we're not told. You know, women are, they don't give you your birth date, so you're not, we don't know. <laughs> and but what I like in verse 15 it says um, the shepherds saying let us go and it shows to me that unlike Zacharias they believe the angels how can you not believe something like that I mean when you get an angel shining then the, whole, the sky is filled up with them speaking to you and praising God I mean, they, they believed the message. And what, how do we know? Because they ran, they hurried, they, they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby. And they, in verse 17 and 18, it talks about they went out and spread the word. Evangelistic. You know? They, I mean, they, they, they gave all the evidence of being believers. Especially verse 20. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Just as it had been told them. They spread the good news. They praised God about the news. The reaction, though, what's a little distressing, is verse 18. The reaction of those whom the shepherds spoke to. Verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. They wondered. Wondered could be translated amazed. Yeah, they're amazed at what the shepherds said, but I don't know, nothing is said about them acting upon it. Like, oh, you should hear what we just saw. It doesn't say anything about them wanting to go see this child, does it? So I kind of left like, well, like so many, they hear 
to hear the story, hear the gospel. Oh, that sounds great, but, you know, I hope nobody here feels that way. I hope to hear this for the good news that it is, recognizing that, you know, we are sinners and need what this child who became a man and died for our sins has done for us. I just, that is my prayer this morning. So in conclusion then, a quick summary of the angelic pronouncements that we looked at. One, and they're all very important, Jesus is in fact the promised Messiah. If you can't believe an angel, who can you believe? Okay? He is the promise. That's been said over and over. And just the language, the Christ, the Messiah. It just, the, the language, everything. He is the one. Remember, go right back to Zacharias. The, you're the, you're, your son that you're going to name John is going to be the forerunner of Messiah, who is prophesied in Malachi and Isaiah 40. You're going to be, you're that guy, you know. That's pretty, you know, that's pretty special. You know, Zacharias is the father of a man prophesied in Scripture. That's amazing. I can't say that. <laughs> um, and another thing, not only is the promised Messiah, Jesus is both Lord and King. Lord and King. Jesus is the Savior of his people. That's who he went to. To the cross for. And then, certainly, last but not least, and I know I it just, I'm doing some repeating, but hey, the angels did. Why can't I? <laughs> Jesus is God. He is, in fact, the Word that became flesh, and on the day we're celebrating, dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And just one, one closing thought from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 12, that says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that which has been given among men by which we must be saved. Must be saved. Let's close in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we again celebrate this day, this day that we remember the day that the Word did in fact become flesh and dwelt among us. But Lord, we, in a couple of days, the world's going to forget about the story and move on to other things. But Lord, I trust that we will not. I, I pray that we would, yes, understand what the significance of this day and understand what, uh, <clears throat> what that child means to us and to all those who would be your people. Again, Lord, we just thank you for this day together. We thank you for the fellowship that we have in you, Lord, because of him. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.